Hi, everyone. Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Bosses, where we interview badass investors who are crushing it in the commercial real estate space. I'm your host, Sarah Hoffman. And on today's call, we have Jin Wang of Sage Investing Group. So Jin, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Sierra. So nice to be here with you. Awesome. Now, as usual, I love to start off by knowing more about your story. So tell us your background. What did you do before and how did you get into commercial real estate? Yep. So my background. So first of all, I'm from Maryland, just to give everybody some context of my geographic location in Maryland, really close to Washington, D.C., nation's capital. So that's always really nice having the perks to go visit the monuments and things like that. But anyways, I mentioned D.C. because prior to starting commercial real estate, I actually worked in D.C. I was in the nonprofit world doing accounting. I came from an audit background and then transitioned to nonprofit accounting later on. So I worked in that industry for 14 years before I found my passion in real estate. And then you'll hear more about this and then eventually transitioned full time to commercial real estate. Awesome. So when was this transition? When did that occur? So actually, this occurred in 2020, in late 2020. So I started doing commercial real estate investing in 2019, joined like a mastermind group, learned the ropes through other people who have been in it a lot longer than I have. And so I started investing in commercial real estate. And then I found my partners in late 2019. We started solidifying our partnership throughout 2020. And then at that point, it was the pandemic. I was working from home which was a blessing in disguise. It gave me a little bit more time to really figure out what is it I wanted to do because I knew I didn't really want to stay at my W2 job forever. It wasn't really particularly what I was really passionate about. And I wanted to make sure I lived my life in a way that I did something really fulfilling and that really allows me to grow into the type of person I feel like I could be, live up to my potential. And I found that in real estate. And so when I came across my partners and we found each other. We solidified our team in the fall of 2020. I felt like I was ready to make that transition. And because I had my team behind me, I felt a lot more confident saying goodbye to the W2 job, leaving something that was super stable, pretty predictable, and just going out there and taking on, I guess, the whole, the world of commercial real estate investing full time. Nice. And so when you made that leap, had you invested in a property yet? Or were you just like, I'm just going to throw caution mm -hmm. to the wind and I'm just going to make it happen? Yeah, I definitely did. Because I started investing in real estate while I was working at my W-2 job. My husband and I, we invested in condos and farmland and duplexes. So quite a, a lot of smaller real estate properties before we discovered that multifamily investing was an option. And so when we discovered that, we learned about it at a conference, actually. We met one of my mentors at a conference and kind of kept in touch and just do a lot of due diligence on what it was all about for almost like a whole year before we decided to join the mastermind group and like dive deep deeper into it. So after I joined the mastermind group, I general partner on a, on a deal and I invested, I started investing and general partnering and over time just built upon the experience. So by the time I met my partners in 2020, I already had four or five deals underneath my, under my belt. And it made me feel a lot more confident to make that full jump and to do it full time. Perfect. So just walk our listeners through your growth pattern. How did it start? Mm -hmm. At what point when you were going to transition into multifamily, yeah. what kind of properties did you have at that point? And then how were you able to grow that over time to get to where you are now? 
Sure. So before I started multifamily, we, like I said, we had a condo, we had some farmland, like a hundred acre of farmland, but had a single family house that we rented out and a town home and that we were just like long-term rental. And then we got, we built our portfolio. We bought two, one duplex and then another duplex the following year. This was like in 2017, 2018 timeframe. And so I think we got up to a portfolio of seven doors on the smaller uh, real estate rental side of things. Mm-hmm. We decided that, you know what? I realized like I need to scale in this business. If I wanted to create a portfolio where I could generate enough passive income to do anything substantial with, <laughs> to live off of with, to vacation off of with, whatever it is that we wanted to do with our lives to have that more freedom, we needed to scale up more. And that was when I started like learning more and hearing more about the multifamily space. And the more I heard about it, the more I learned about it, the more it made sense to me, not only for myself financially, but I also love the aspect of finding these opportunities that we could also share with our friends and family and also help them create that passive income stream as well. And not just keep it for ourselves, but just share these opportunities with other people that can help them out financially as well. Perfect. So at that point with seven doors, I decided I need to scale. And so that's when I joined the mastermind group, because for me, I like having a coach. I like having people that have the experience behind them. I like to cut my learning curve as quickly right. as possible. And so what made the most sense was to hire a coach, right? That has what, 20, 25 years of experience behind him. So that's when I joined my mastermind group. And that's when I started seeing deals and immersing myself in these deals. And from there, like these multifamily properties, they're like a hundred units at a time. So it's not before long, before my portfolio grew from seven doors to over a thousand doors. And so today I'm a general partner and a limited partner in over 27, yeah, 2,600 doors. Nice. Yeah. And the portfolio value is like over $272 million. So it doesn't take much in multifamily to really scale your portfolio. Absolutely. I think that's why a lot of us are interested in this field and why people want to get into it because they just realize we need to scale. We need to do more than just getting a single family here, a duplex there. And we just want to have that generational wealth for our family. Exactly. So so you were able to partner with um, two other people to grow Mm -hmm. your business. Were these people that you met through the mastermind you joined or elsewhere? So I met one of my partners through the mastermind group. And then through her, I met the other partner because they actually worked together on Wall Street for a long time. And so she pulled our third partner into this multifamily business, convinced her to quit her job and to do this multifamily thing with her. And so the two of them were already working together, but I think they realized they needed somebody else on the team, like a third person, mm-hmm. a third partner to weigh in on decision-making and to break the t- be the tiebreaker. And yeah. Um, yeah, so at that point, I was mostly capital raising because I was working full-time and then doing syndications as well. So I didn't have time to be sourcing deals or anything. And I was just doing the capital raising aspect of the business. And they came in with the, they were interested in deal sourcing and then the underwriting aspect. And so it seemed like a really great match that we all bring different strength to the table. And kind of the part of the reason why we decided to partner up together. Awesome. And you mentioned a few things about why you got into the business. So can you explain to Mm -hmm. us what attracted you and what was your big 
why for getting into this business? Sure. I think for me, I had mentioned earlier that for me, it was really important that I do something that I feel like I would be super proud of when I am old and gray and just looking back <laughs> on my life that I don't just say, oh, I just worked this nine to five job my entire life. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that I gave myself the opportunity to do as much as I can and to contribute as much as I can to the world and just to leave some footprint, whether it's big or small, it's just some kind of mark on this world. And I didn't feel like I was going to achieve that with my W2 job working in accounting. Yeah. It's a very important job, but <laughs> we need auditors and accountants in the world. But I just didn't really see how that was going to do it for me. And so the biggest why is really just like tapping into my full potential and seeing what I can do. And part of it was the flexibility. I felt having doing my own business would give me. I had two young boys. I still have two young boys or they didn't really grow too much. But <laughs> so I had two young boys and where I was working in DC, it was like an hour commute each day. And that was taking away a lot of time that I could spend with them. And I felt like I was really hardly ever there for them to drop them off at school, to pick them up, to be there for their school activities and events. And as a mom, that is so important to me to be able to be there for my kids, right? And to support them and even to support my husband because he's a realtor. So he's really busy himself. And I just want to be there to support my family, be there for them. And I felt like doing my own business, going to commercial real estate kind of gives me that flexibility to be there for my family. And at mm -hmm. the same time, really pursue my dreams and aim for those big goals and dreams that I have. I love that. Now, a lot of our listeners are probably in the early stages of their real estate journey, so they may not even have a team yet. What are some things to look for in a team member and things to maybe watch out for before partnering with somebody? Yes, that is a really great question. So I think one thing I had touched on this briefly, but aside from the fact that my partners and I, we have complementary skills in likes and dislikes, right? I think another aspect of why we decided to partner up together is because we have really similar value and work ethic. And I think that's super mm -hmm. important to look for in any partner that you want to potentially link up with because it's almost like a marriage. Like we started an LC together, everything is legalized. We have an EIN number together. So it's pretty official. Yeah. And you want to make sure that these are people that are ethical, that they, they have values that are aligned to yours. And so that's very important. And for, for us, I didn't mention this yet, but we all come from an audit background. So we all are former CPAs, former auditors. And so I think right away we could tell that, oh, wow, we're really detail oriented people and we're really hardworking because I think to be an auditor, you got to be hardworking. You're burning midnight oils when, during the busy season. And we were all working at the big four accounting firms. And right away, I knew that about them. And I think one other thing we share in common is I know that we're all really hardworking because my partners are similar to me as in we all come from immigrant families right? That kind of came here with really nothing in their pocket. And they just worked really hard to build a good life for themselves and for their kids. And that's one thing that we all have in common, that we wanted to repay our parents. We want to make sure that all their effort and all their sacrifices that they've made coming into this country did not go to waste. And we wanted to do something that would make them proud. And like you said earlier, build that generational wealth because it starts with one person in the family to start mm -hmm. building that generational wealth. Just one person to get it rolling. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. When one person breaks the cycle, then all future generations can benefit from that. And your 
sons, I'm sure, are looking out to both you and your husband because you're both entrepreneurs. If your husband's a realtor, you both have mm-hmm. your own business. And I think that's huge for kids growing up these days to know that there's more than just having a regular nine to five job. There are other options as well. Exactly. Right. And definitely want to be a role model for them and let them know that the world is their oyster. There are endless possibilities. They can be anything and anyone that they want to be. So that's very important to me. Absolutely. Now, since there are three of you in the business, obviously you're going to have Mm -hmm. to divide up the work in different ways. So what is your primary role and how do you divide up the work? What's everyone's specific skill set? Yes. I think in this commercial real estate world, as you were thinking earlier about forming a team, I feel like it is really critical to have a, a really a team and a really strong one. We've seen operators where it's one person team and it's really overwhelming. Like even with the three of us, there's still more than enough work to pass around. We still need to like yeah. outsource to like VAs and things like that. And it's just so important for everybody like you have like their specific role and just to help spread out the work. So for me, myself, I am the investor relations between Mm -hmm. our team. So I really take care of the social media for us and the branding, the outreach. When we have a deal, I work with our co-sponsors really closely to provide them with the materials that they need and to just keep them looped in on what's happening with the deal and just keep them updated, posted, having open, transparent, frequent communication so everybody is on the same page because we're all working for the same goal at the end of the day. So to us, that's super important. That's what we look for in other operators. So we strive to be like a role model in that sense Mm -hmm. and really make it a good environment for our co-sponsors to work with us. Um, So that's one of my favorite thing about my role is just pulling the team together and working with everybody, just making sure that they get what they need and that all their investor questions are answered and that they have marketing material that they can use if they want to leverage off of what we build for them to do their marketing. Just want to provide as much support to our team as possible. So that's my primary role. And my partner, we have Maggie, and she she sources the deals for us. She's the one who reaches out to our brokers and sources the deals, I guess, sniff out the deal to see if it's even worth underwriting. Mm-hmm. And when it is, she passes off to my other partner, Lana. And Lana is in charge of the underwriting aspect of our deal. And we also asset manage our deals. And so Lana does the asset management aspect of it as well. Perfect. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Asset management, underwriting, those things can be very time consuming. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how some people would do it all, but for us, we definitely got to divide and conquer, you know? Yeah. Now you mentioned about screening the deals before they are sent to underwriting. Mm -hmm. What are some things that people, just for our listeners that are new, like what things Mm -hmm. should they look for in a deal to figure out if it's even worth looking further into it and doing a full underwriting on it. Okay. You're asking from like a, an operator perspective, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, so when my partner finds a deal, we do like an initial analysis. It's just to make sure like we have an analyzer, which is super duper detailed. And first of all, we, pick our target markets, right? So when we find a deal in that market, we already know that this is a strong market. We like it. It has really strong market fundamentals. And we know that there is room for there's strong, I guess, diversity of industries in that market. There's strong job bases, right? And that the populations are growing, all that good stuff. So first of all, we make sure that the market is good. 
And so then when we come across the deal itself, we have a very detailed analyzer that we use, but on a very high level, we plug in the high level figures in there to see what the returns look like on the deal. And so I think before going into much more detail on it, though, I think we look at the rent roll really closely. Right. I think what's really important to us is just making sure that the tenant base is a quality tenant base, because if it's not quality, sometimes it can take a lot longer to execute your business plan because mm -hmm. it takes a long time to weed out the bad apples, the mm -hmm. property. And that's something that we don't want to have to deal with because obviously it's going to delay distributions, it's going to delay everything if you have to deal with the bad tenants first. So it's really important to us to look at the rent roll, look at the aging report to kind of see where we are in terms of like delinquencies, right? The mm -hmm. occupancy and then like economic vacancy. So just seeing what the loss to lease is like, all that stuff. So I think that's really important initially just to make sure that, okay, this is a good asset to even consider digging deeper into, that the tenant base is good, that the area income is high enough to support our like three to one income ratio test. So just like preliminary things like that is what we look for. Perfect. All right. I want to switch gears a little bit here and talk about one of the deals that you've done. Mm -hmm. So a full walkthrough. Tell us about maybe your most difficult deal or maybe your first deal. How did you find the deal? What was your involvement in it? And what did you like and not like about it? Yes, that is a great question. So I think our first deal that we found wasn't really that challenging. It was surprisingly smooth for being our first deal. I guess one aspect of it that made it good was the fact that the seller was also very organized and he was also very good. Yeah, he was really good to work with, just offering us documents that we didn't even ask for. <laughs> so that's really nice. So that first deal I can't complain anything about. And overall, we've been operating for 14 months now and it's going super well. So that was a gem. Um, yeah. Our second deal is in the same market as our first deal. It's called Fulton, Alabama, a very tertiary market in like the southeast part of Alabama, close mm -hmm. to Georgia and Florida. I don't know if you ever heard of it. No. But uh, <laughs> no. don't worry. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people have. But it's a really great market. It's a, it's a small market, but it's very strong. And so that's why we liked it. So the second deal that we found, it's actually a portfolio deal. It was funny because we came across it through a broker that shared with us the first deal that we got. But then we put in an offer and we got outbidded by another buyer. So then we thought the deal fell through. And, but then funny thing is it came back to us. <laughs> like, I think it was like six or seven, eight months later, the deal came back to us. Get the mm -hmm. seller that was that had under contract. In the end, it fell through for them because of the lending situation. Mm -hmm. And so it came back to us. We underwrote it and submitted our another offer. And this time around, it got accepted. All that was good, except the challenging part was that it was a five property portfolio. And so the biggest property was 100 units and all the other ones were like much smaller. There's one that's 78 and then the other ones are like 32, 25. So very mm -hmm. small. I guess when you underwrite a portfolio, it's just a lot more complicated. Like how the oh, yeah. heck do you combine five financials together into one and mm -hmm. make it in a way that makes sense? So, you know, that and then just for that one, we had to actually get three different loans on it. Instead of getting one big portfolio loan, uh, it got broken up into three smaller loans at the end of the day. Now we have to, do, it's the same lender, but now we have to deal with different asset managers on the lender, on the lending team. Yes. That makes it a little bit complicated. We have to like prepare three financial, three pro formas, three budgets because yeah. there's like three different 
portfolios and at the end of the day, three mm -hmm. different deals. So I think that made it really challenging. And this happened in, let me see. So this deal we closed in June, 2022. So this was not too long ago. And I think what was really challenging about Sierra was for us, the raise wasn't too bad. It was like $7 million raise. But what was really challenging for us was that at that point, this was like summer of 2022, there were a lot of deals. There were a lot of deals that were happening within our group. And so I think the access to equity was very challenging to get because everybody was like pulled in many different directions, right? And within your yeah. pool of your network, there's only so much equity that you can tap into. And like I said, people were kind of pulled into different directions. And so for us, our disadvantage was that our market is not really well known. Not a lot of people mm. have heard, as you yeah. mentioned, of Tholden, Alabama. And yeah. of course, a lot of people, they go with the sexier markets like Jacksonville, Florida, yeah. and Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia. So yeah, it was really challenging, I think, for us, like pulling together like a team that could raise what we needed to raise for the deal. Um, so we had to get a little bit creative with that at the end of the day. But looking back, it was actually, I don't know, like it actually ended up working out really, it ended up really working out really well. We were able to raise more actually than we needed at the end of the day. Miracle happened. We like <laughs> found the right people who wanted to partner with us. And we were able to raise a lot more than we had initially anticipated, which is good because you need a really nice cushion for rising material costs and labor costs and unknowns. Mm -hmm. So in the end, it worked out well. And sadly for some of the other deals that were raising at that time, like we got finished just in time before like interest rates started going up. Yeah. And then... Yes, interest rates started going up and I think people started getting a little bit antsy about, mm -hmm. about the market. And so I felt like a lot of investors wanted to sit on the sideline and weren't really investing as much as they did, you know, in the year prior compared to the year yeah. prior. And so in hindsight, even though it was a tough race for us, at the end of the day, we were so blessed. It worked out very well. Like we got it done. We got more than enough. And after that, oh my goodness, there was like <laughs> a huge shortage of capital for a oh, lot of wow. the other deals that were still raising to close on their deals. Did you have to do any extensions at all? For that one, I believe we did get one extension. Yes, we did do one extension. Not because, I think it was because of the, it was the lender the lender, and, but that worked out for us because we needed more time to raise anyways. Perfect. Yeah. Now, have all your deals come through brokers or have you done any deals where you've just been able to get direct to seller? So our first deal, it came from a broker, but it was off market. So yeah, he was able to share it with us before it went on market. So that was like an off market deal. And then with the second one, it was with the same broker. Actually, no, it was with a different broker. We went with a different broker and this one was on the market. Yeah, it was on, it was already being marketed. So one off market, one, Perfect. the ones that we have sourced ourselves anyways. The other deal that we co-sponsor on is a mix of off market and marketed deals. Perfect. And tell us about what you're working on now and what is next for you and your team. Sure. So right now we are working on co-sponsoring a deal in Houston, Texas. For us, like we... It takes a while to find a good deal. It takes a long time for us to pencil in a deal that really works. And we have a pretty good investor base. And for us, it's important for investors not to just invest in our deals, but to have a diverse 
portfolio, across different markets, across different operators. And so that's why we're co-sponsoring on other people's deals still, just to give our investors that diversification. And of course, these are deals that we pre-vet as an auditor. We like audit the deals and pre-vet them before we share them with our investors. And of course, we invest in them ourselves. And then we share the opportunity with them once it passes our vetting process. So that's kind of what we're working on now. And right now, things are a little bit slow in the market. And one really important thing to us is to make sure that our team is really strong and that we have good processes in place. We're asset managing two of our own deals. And so right now we're really solidifying that asset management process and making sure that we can apply apply it to future deals that we take down. We do plan on taking down a lot more deals and we're just using what we have right now to build that strong foundation to continue building off of. So just really solidifying our team and strengthening our team and tapping into, I guess, other partnerships that could help us take down bigger deals in the future. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Jin. Where is the best place for people to find you online if they want to learn more about you and your company? Sure. So we have a website, sageinvestinggroup.com. And so you guys can find us on there. We have a link button that you can click on to sign up for our Sage Investor Circle. And if you guys want to stay in touch with us and to learn more about our team and get on a call with us, get to know us better and for us to share future opportunities with you, that's probably the best way to get in touch with us. Or you can also email us at info at sageinvestinggroup.com. Perfect. I'll make sure to include a link to the Sage Investor Circle in the show notes below. And thanks everybody for tuning in today. If you all enjoyed today's show, please write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Every review helps us to be able to reach more and more people looking to get involved in commercial real estate. Thank you so much, Sierra. Today's show was sponsored by Synergy Capital Investments. We help everyday people and busy professionals diversify their portfolio by investing passively in commercial real estate. To download your free passive investment guide for beginners or to schedule a call to see if partnering with us is right for you, go to thrivewithsynergy.com today. That's thrivewithsynergy.com or click on the link below.